Welcome to issue 128 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and joining me today is Steve. Hi, Michael. And Mike. Hi, Michael. This isn't going to get confusing at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, can hear that voice? That is Mr. Michael Boggs, former designer and uh, FFG employee. Michael, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're real excited to have you on again. Um, Our listeners of the show will realize it was uh, 25 issues ago since you were on, and we talked all about the Hood Pack. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, so today we can talk a little bit about sensor motives and uh, where you're at, both, uh, I guess, figuratively and uh, literally. So, um, I, I think everybody knows who Michael Boggs is, right? We don't have to do some basic intros here, but... Um, Pick up half your products or all your products he's credited on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't work on Marvel Champions anymore, do you? I do not. No, I I, uh, I ended up leaving the Marvel Champions team and Fantasy Flight Games back um, right at the beginning of May, I think. Well, that that's a blow to all us fans because your stuff has been great. Um, <laughs> well, I think that the Sinister Motives box that is the one that's out now is just like got rave reviews. I love it. Um, it's great. Yeah. Good, good job. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I know it was really well received. And you know what? This is probably the first time we've had a designer on right after a product. So we're not oh, sure, still, yeah. we're not looking for tidbits for the next thing. We actually get to talk about the last thing. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about the the box, and then we can maybe go into um, just some some other stuff. But uh, I think you have said before that like uh, maybe Spider Man and Venom and those sort of things have been your were your favorite comics. Is it was oh, that yeah. the inspiration behind this box? I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, it definitely was. So so this box uh, kind of came about. Um, so when we were first envisioning how we would develop products, we decided that we were going to do things in these large kind of groupings, these large waves, which I, I believe Caleb has mentioned on, on maybe this podcast or other podcasts before. Um, and our first big wave that we talked about was the 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 Thanos and you know Infinity Stones. Uh, kind of set. So we had like the Rise of Red Skull, then we had Galaxy's Most Wanted, and then we had um, the uh, Mad Titan Shadow Box. And then after that, the plan was to, you know, potentially at that time, move on to X-Men, which Fantasy Flight, you know, announced recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but as things were being developed, we kind of got to this point where we felt like we needed to just wait a little bit longer on the X-Men. We needed some sort of like a gap thing, almost like a uh, kind of like a period to cool off and do something a little bit different, spin a little bit different way. And Sinister Motive sort of came out of that. Um, and, you know, we we wanted to to choose characters and, and, and have like a story that still resonated with the players and people were still really excited about, but wasn't really confined to the same ideals of having like these, you know, products developed in, in groupings that, you know, kind of have something that let us like step away from all of that and that that's really where sinister motives was was sort of um where where it came from so 
It's um, like a it's like a palate cleanser in between the main courses. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a good way to put it. So yeah, we we ended up just you know going with uh, I think the original decision was to go with Miles Morales and and Gwen Stacy, you know, because they're so such exciting characters. And we did I I think part of the discussion back then, from what I remember, was like when are we going to have another time to really do them? Like they they fit so well with the characters we'd done up to that point. We already had Spider Man, we had Spider Woman, we had Miss Marvel with uh you know the the champions characters. Um, it felt like it was sort of a now or never type thing or now, uh, now or years and years from now type thing. So, um, it was just, you know, sort of the, the best option at that, at that time. And, um, but once we kind of chose the heroes we wanted to do, obviously, you know, the, the villains kind of just sort of came along with that. And we tried to pick the iconic characters and, you know, just craft a whole spider experience. Yeah, I think that was a great call. Everybody uh, I've heard really, really likes the Sinister Motives. Um, yeah, I think it's a good, it's been a great um, sort of standalone wave. I mean, I've been I've been having a great time with all the villains and the heroes. I shouldn't say I like the heroes, but... Um, <laughs> um, well, they come with encounter sets now, so you can like them. Yeah! Oh, oh, boy, yeah. do we love that. Wow. Yeah, whose idea was that? I, I don't actually remember, to be honest. I, I think it was, um, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know where that came about. Maybe it was Caleb's idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. It just was some, one of those things that sort of like cropped up and we were both like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's let's do it. Um, and I, I, I wish it was something we honestly implemented earlier. Like I, I, as a player, I love having the extra aspect cards in the back, more deck building and stuff. But just the variety that comes from each and every set that you can, you know, put in pretty much every single scenario like it's it's really invaluable to a point so um i think that's something that players can expect to see quite frequently going forward it's 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 an idea that has a lot of potential yeah i I like the uh the potential there for like kind of the oddball villains or the you know like we got armadillo i didn't know who that was i never heard of armadillo before and um Oh my you gosh, know. we might get the spot. We might right. actually get the spot. Spot, pot, <laughs> Pace Pot Pete, those kind of guys. Um, there you go. Maybe, you know, maybe not the really crazy ones, but it's neat because you don't have to tie them to too strong of a theme to the box, right? It wouldn't make sense necessarily to have Armadillo in the Mad Titan Shadow stuff, but here you can just put it in a, the back of a pack and it works great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that was the thing we were excited about. Like, if we can tie it to the character who's packing in, we we, we tried to do that. But sometimes it was just sort of like, this is a fun encounter set. Let's throw it in there. And right. yeah, there's a lot of characters we can get in that normally wouldn't fit anywhere else. Yeah, uh, we just got to spoil a card from the Inheritor set, which is all against the spider stuff. So it fits in really nice on this wave. And it's just a mean, looks like a mean scenario. So we're really enjoy, uh, yeah, that one's, playing it. Yeah, that one's brutal. <laughs> that one's real mean. Yeah. Oh, nice. So uh, this box came out now. If I got my timeline correctly, I mean, you guys work with Marvel, but you're not privy to everything that Marvel does. This, you guys conceived of this idea before Into the Spider Verse, am I right? Um, no, no. I, I think Into the Spider Verse had either had come out by that time or was about to. Okay, so it was and time. that was you know somewhat of an influence, but not completely. It was also like you know, kind of like I mentioned with. If we weren't going to do the spider people now, then it was going to be a long time before we got to them. So it just we, we but we've had a couple instances where things just sort of 
lined up with Marvel in weird ways. <laughs> like, you know, we picked She-Hulk for the corset, and then her show's been announced. I don't think it's come out yet, has it? But Miss Marvel's the same. Like, there's been a lot of, like, really weird just coincidences that have sort of been lucky for the game. I mean, coincidences, but it sounds like both companies are moving in the same direction. You're trying to be inclusive. You're trying, like, a, it, it has not passed me by that half your heroes are female. Sure, yeah, yeah, that has been right. intentional. And, and I, yeah, I, I think you're right. Disney and Marvel have been absolutely doing the same thing. Yeah, and uh, you both picked really awesome heroes, so you can edit that out. I, I, yeah, a villain doesn't need to say that. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, speaking of villains, I mean, when this box was a first spoil, or start, not spoil, I should say, first announced, Spider-Man is kind of like the Batman of the Marvel Universe in that there's so many villains. Yeah. So many uh, so I, <laughs> I laughed when I saw your fourth scenario. Like, how do you shove all these villains into uh, a box with five scenarios? Oh, you have one with six. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what was the impetus for the ambush? What was the thought process behind that? Was it, was it literally just, let's get Doc Ock and Electra and all these people in the same room together? or uh, Because it's such a unique scenario. Uh, what's your, what was your thought process behind that one? Sure. So, so for... I mean, that, that really was the problem that we ran into, just having almost too many villains to, to choose from. And, you know, Doc Ock, of course, had to be in the box. I've seen a lot of players say that they wanted him to have his own scenario, and I, I did too. I love Doc Ock. But um, as we were sort of creating things and envisioning the, the five scenarios as a whole, it, you know, became apparent that, like, we could just do Doc Ock, but... There were so many others, the the Vulture and Electro and uh, Craven and like, the, you know, so many great strong characters. And to be able to, like, create a scenario around the Sinister Six would be a totally different experience that, you know, we've only seen, I think, up to that point. Is it the Wrecking Crew? Yeah, the Wrecking right. Crew is the only. Yeah. Oh, the Wrecking Crew. And then the, what's the one in uh, Madagascar? Yeah, that one as well. So, but, the, the, you know, this originally that with the Sinister uh, Six scenario was supposed to be a scenario that had no villains. All of the villains were just minions in the deck. Um, so you were just, you just had a main scheme and then you just had the side scheme and that was it. And anything you drew out were just, you know, the minions coming to fight you who were Doc Ock and, and Vulture and so on. Uh, we found that doesn't really work within the framework of the game. The game is so built around having a villain in play that when you don't, a lot of things start to break down. A lot of cards just cease to function. Um, and so, like, we kind of had to find a workaround to implementing villains, but making sure that they didn't feel as permanent as they were in other scenarios. The whole idea was that, like, they're kind of coming at you from every side and you don't know who's going to pop out. You can beat them up easily and continue on your way, but they're just going to pop back out again. So um, that's really sort of where it all came from, wanting to have so many characters in the box, but also wanting to have a scenario that sort of captured that idea of just like this you know, this swarm of, of villains just attacking again and again and again. I think you captured that too. I've played enough games where we've got them, we're maybe a three-player game. We, there's only one villain out, and then the next turn there's four villains out. Like, where did they all come from? <laughs> so, what just happened? I thought we were doing well. Um, and that's fun with the whole you-need-to-escape mechanic as well, um, being something different than the, the typical scenario. Probably my favorite of the multi-villain scenarios, too. I think... Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it... I, I really like the Wrecking Crew, like, the shtick that was going on there, but 
but sometimes it just didn't work right or feel, sure. you know, that was really early in the game. But I think this one, you guys really nailed it. We had a lot of feedback from the Wrecking Crew. I think that helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, it shows that you guys, uh, you know, that's great that you guys listen to the feedback and 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 take that into account. So, do you have a favorite scenario out of the out of the box? Uh, for me, it is either it's either Mysterio or Venom. Um, I th- I think if I had to choose, Venom is my favorite villain, but I think if I had to choose, Mysterio is probably my favorite to play against. I, I've had so many games where like first three or four rounds i'm just cruising not a big deal whatever oh he put a card in my deck that's fine i got time that's fine i got time and then just bam here's five encounter cards out of your deck yeah and it's just like right and all of a sudden the board's set up and here's the side scheme and here's a minion and he's just like I, the thing that i love about him is and and what i was really trying to capture in the design was this idea of uh like this sense of impending dread you know that he's messing with you you know that he's you know created these illusions that this stuff isn't real but um you got to go through it through it you got to deal with it no matter what like that is mysterio to me he's always got spider-man in some sort of trap and some sort of you know thing that he has to that spider-man has to break through mentally and sometimes physically and um that was the idea here is that it's just like it's just this seed planted in the back of your mind that's eventually going to sort of come to fruition and you either have to beat him before that happens or or deal with the consequences essentially yeah, I think you hit that too, man. Seeing that encounter card moving up in your deck, or the three encounter cards moving up in your deck, closer and closer to the top, it's like, no, no, I don't want to draw cards, but I want to draw cards, <laughs> yeah. but I don't want to draw cards. Yeah, and uh, it has some of the most frustrating cards in it, like uh, discard your hand and draw a new new hand. It's really not that bad, but I had my whole turn planned, and you just yeah, wrecked yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, so. Good. And now you have six encounter cards in front of you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I appreciate that scenario because it, it completely throws the game's pacing on its head. Because if you're if you're really like power gaming this through, like you go through your deck, try to get set up. If you're not, it's your second pass, you get all your toys on the table. And it just, you, like you said, you're cruising at the top and then you, you slow down. You purposely have to slow down because otherwise you're going to get swarmed. Yeah, yeah. And I just love what that does. Thank you. So in this way, if we got, we're going to talk heroes. Ugh, okay. Uh, Spider Gwen, Miles Morales, and then the hero packs that come with it. Do you have a hero pack that you really like? Like a hero that came with it, either uh, maybe a favorite both thematically and mechanically, like one of each? Or who did we get? Or who are we getting? We have Nova, Ironheart. We're going to see Penny Parker, Spider Ham, plus, you know, Miles and Gwen. Yeah. um, I think out of those six, I think my favorite ended up being so out of those six, I I designed and developed um, Nova, Ironheart, Miles Morales, and uh, Ghost Spider. Caleb had a bit of uh, input on Miles Morales, but but for the most part, like those those were my designs. Then Caleb was sort of the the mastermind behind Spider Ham, and then uh, MJ Newman. She did um, uh, Penny Parker. And out of the six, I think the ones that I probably just love to play the most are, are Penny Parker or Ironheart. Um, Ironheart for me was like a very challenging uh, hero pack to create, um, not because of the character or or anything really mechanical, you know, about the way she plays, but um, 
when we were doing the testing for her, like a, a lot of games, sometimes, you know, FFG doesn't release like their, their um, playtesting prototypes, but I've seen like Magic the Gathering and stuff do that. And, you, and if you've ever seen like a prototype card, they're, they're usually really simple. It's just kind of like often a grid with very minimal graphic design, if any. Um, you might have an icon or two, but a lot of times they're just stripped down pieces of paper. Like you want to make it printer friendly. You want to make sure you can rapidly iterate upon stuff and you don't have all these like, you know, extra elements that you're dealing with. Right. So uh, Ironheart was designed and developed with our prototype templates. When it came time to put all of her text and abilities and everything in the final templates, the text and abilities on some of her main cards on her hero cards did not fit like we were are allowed a little bit of wiggle room and like the size of the text and spacing and stuff but even at the you know most minimum distances it wouldn't fit and that was totally on me i just completely overlooked that didn't even think to check no i've never run into that issue before with any other game um but because of her functionality she just had a you know just enough text to just go over the edge and so it created this situation where like she had to be redesigned in a very short window. It was actually, uh, we were on Christmas break, technically. I, I had like the, a good chunk of December off and I was working on her every single day. And, you know, most of the play testers were off on their, their holiday vacations with their families and, and whatnot. Most of FFG was off doing that. So like, it was really just me designing, developing and play testing, designing, developing and play testing just over and over and over and over again by myself. Um, because the changes that she had to go through were were large enough to sort of create this situation where like it was it wasn't just like an easy tweak. Oh, I'll just swap this text with that. Like it was like a total re envisioning in, in a way of what she was doing. So um, I think she turned out pretty well. I've heard a lot of people seem to like her, and I, I was really happy with where she ended up when you know I was testing her. Um, and I think like it's a fond memory, but it was also a, a big learning experience. Um, but I think, you know, it was ultimately for the better. I, I think she honestly ended up maybe in a better um, position than she was previously. Um, so it, it, it all worked out for the best. Uh, and, and then after that, Penny Parker Spider is so fun to play. MJ Newman, she did a phenomenal job on Penny Parker. Uh, probably one of the most unique heroes that we have in the game now. And I, I think I think Penny is going to like blow people's mine she's like super like at first you read her cards and you see what she can do and it's like yeah she's really that strong and she's it, it, yes she's really fun really powerful like all around great character and 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 her design is something that i would have never thought of and i don't know if caleb would ever thought of it it's just totally like totally innovative it's totally something unique and, and new to the game so i think both of those really stand out for me well, it sounds like Ironheart was a Christmas miracle because everybody seems to like Ironheart. So good job, <laughs> yeah, good job yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. And then your wife said, "Okay, that's it. We're moving to Korea." So, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. That was like. Uh, so I announced on Facebook when I was leaving FFG that um, my wife and I had been moving to China, trying to move to China for since like the end of 2020. My wife actually moved to China then, the because she's Chinese. So the idea was that she would go ahead spend some time with her family. And then I would come to China and live with her a few months later. I just needed my visa to process. And then I could never get my visa to go through. Um, and so she's been in China since December, 2020. I was trying to get over there for a long time. And so it was sort of like she left at the end of December. 
like the couple weeks before she left, I was just spending every single day designing and developing Ironheart just over and over and over. A- any sort of work time that I had was dedicated to that. And then, you know, sometimes she'd go to bed and I'm like, well, I need to work on this a little bit more. So um, it was it was a lot of work kind of compacted into a span of maybe like two and a half weeks. But I think it worked out. And ultimately, you know, we were able to do everything we needed to do for her to, you know, leave and, and you know, still spend time together and stuff. But I think it was, um, yeah, I, I don't know if she would be as fond of Ironheart as I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to give uh, another shout out in this box. Um, this is one of the modular sets. And I really like this one because it's it really shakes up the game somewhat. And this is the Down to Earth set. Uh, absolutely adore this. This is the one with uh, some criminals and volunteer work and things that just hit you the wrong way. So, for example, volunteer work. Uh, you cannot thwart unless you're an alter ego and you thwart with your recovery stat. Or loose ends, when you pull it, you have to uh, search everywhere for your obligation and reveal it. Even if you've already dealt with it and removed it from the game, you get it back. Um, what a great set. Was was this you? Was this uh, a group effort? Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, the the down-to-earth set was, was, was my design. Um, it really came from seeing comments over and over from players about how they just wish there was more things that they could or should do in alter ego form. So, you know, it was created to sort of just, you know, make your alter ego feel more important to, to not only the mechanics, but also the, the actual story of what was happening in the scenario. So I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that you like it. That, that was one of my favorite sets to develop. Yeah. And I think it really captures the theme. You're like, I got to punch Rhino, but, you know, my, my, I don't know, my girlfriend's cat's in a tree or something like that. It's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that darn cat will do damage to you. <laughs> yeah. That, man, that cat, it's, it's, it's dangerous for sure. Yeah. You said that, uh, I want to, I want to switch back. You said you're, um, you're in Korea now and you used to live am, there. Yeah. Um, so the time zone's brutal here, but, uh, <laughs> Are you, um, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's too personal, but are you going to do any game design while you're there? Are you, uh, you had said you were a teacher, I think, before becoming, going into game design. What's your, can we expect anything new from Michael Boggs in the gaming (laughs) industry or from there? I don't even know. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, you know, like I mentioned, I I was trying to go to China for a long time. Uh, Couldn't get in, couldn't get the visa to process. So after, you know, you know, talking with my wife and, um, realizing that it probably me getting into China wasn't going to happen anytime soon, we decided to move back to Korea. Uh, we we met in Korea in 2013. Um, we both lived here for quite a few years. I was here for almost five years. She was here for almost six years. Um, and so you know we both we love South Korea. It's it's a great place to live. And um, we just decided you know it was like a it was a good plan B essentially. So um, I'm here now uh i got here about two months ago um and i recently started a new job as 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 a teacher uh, which is what i was doing before so you know back in the classroom with kids and stuff uh which is a lot of fun but like you know i i enjoy teaching it's something that um i'm kind of happy to be doing again after after doing it for or not doing it for so long um but i you know i think i'm uh a game designer at heart. So I think I'll always be designing and developing stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of working on ideas now. So, you know, maybe we'll see something in the future if I can uh, find the spare time to actually work on things between teaching and, and whatnot. Nice. 
Oh, that's cool. Well, um, my spare time, uh, I let I asked a few of our other podcast friends. I let them know we were going to talk with you, and they wanted me to ask you. Now that you're, you know, you have all this time, quote unquote. Uh, how many games of Netrunner have you played since you moved over there? <laughs> uh, zero so far, but I do have a friend uh, who's 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 still in Korea. Who like he was the the person who really got me into Netrunner. I played it maybe once or twice before meeting him, but uh, it was really he like set up tournaments for this you know group and and of friends that I had in Busan. Um, he for the longest time, I mean it was this was back in 2013. I and Netrunner was the first LCG that I bought, and at the time I was like I don't want to spend forty dollars for a core set. Like that's way too much. I like you know Magic. You could buy a pack for ten dollars or you know whatever it is, but. And then we played it like, you know, he let me borrow his cards and made decks. And there was a point I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to buy a core set. I need the core set. So. Um, but uh, he, he still got his whole collection. And we've talked a few times about playing. We just haven't got around to it. But I think we will soon. All right. <laughs> Mike, do you want to ask him the, the ridiculous? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, I just need to, we're going to just clarify a couple of rules first. Uh, the the right arrow symbol that appears on cards. Uh, if we are interpreting this correctly, whenever you have a block of text, an arrow, and then a block of text, you have to do all the stuff before the arrow to trigger all the stuff after the arrow. Yeah, That's that sounds right. And if there's multiple sentences after the arrow, you still have to trigger everything at the beginning to trigger any of those. Yeah. Okay. So the Infinity Gauntlet set. If you look at most of the stones, they have a, a special ability that says, you know, do something villainous, then place this card in the discard pile. That's it. The space stone is a little different. It says special, discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a minion is discarded. Right arrow, put that minion into play, engage with you, place this card in the infinity stone discard pile. So does that imply then that if there is no minion put out, you don't put the space stone into the discard pile? Hmm... That's interesting. I'm I'm pulling it up. I'm just taking a second to load. Um, and I know this is a letter of the law versus spirit of the law that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the intention is definitely that it's supposed to go in the in the discard pile. But uh, space stone discard cards from something kind of deck until me use discard. So you do that, boop boop boop. But then to engage with you, place this card in the infinity stone. But if if you discard and you never get a minion, you haven't paid the cost to the left of the arrow. So you don't trigger anything to the right of the arrow? I mean, yeah, technically. Yeah. Okay, okay. now, now yeah. part, part two of this. <laughs> part two, okay. All right. if, you, if you do not discard a minion, is this card resolved? I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it would try to resolve, right? It, it tries to resolve, it can't do the cost, so no, the ability doesn't resolve, I guess. Okay, so what that okay. means is, if you have... <laughs> we win, we win! The, the villains win, win finally. Hey. We need one. We need one. So you get a villain set with no minions. You put it in modular sets with no minions. And then when the space stone hits, nothing happens. You deck you deck out the villain, get an acceleration icon, and then the stone stays out. Next turn, the villain activates against you. The space stone is in front of him, so it goes off, decks him out again, another acceleration icon. But because a stone didn't resolve, you pull out another infinity stone. That one will resolve as normal. And uh, so every turn, you get an acceleration icon and a new Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a lot of setup, but you know it. Uh, 
I mean, thematically, it does make sense, though. You're just speeding up. Or no, it's. I was thinking it was the time stone. Uh, it's the space stone. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy that we get one. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, we realize it's uh, unofficial, whatever. But uh, yeah, great, perfect. Yeah, well, yeah, go, any, folks. yeah. We should clarify that any ruling that I make is totally, totally unofficial. So yeah, probably <laughs> want to talk to Caleb about this one. Maybe he'd have uh, a better, uh, better explanation, but. I definitely... No, no, I don't think we will. I don't think we, we don't will. We need to talk to him. <laughs> we like it. We're good. There you go. So there's a challenge for folks. Play a play a scenario with the Infinity Gauntlet with no minions in it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you beat it? Oh. Yeah, we kind of came across that as we were going through some of the sets. And we're like, oh, while we're co- on air, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cost <laughs> this arrow. This arrow maybe just shouldn't be here, but yeah. So now who made the who made the gauntlet set? Was that Caleb? Was that you? Uh, pretty much everything in, in the Mad Titan Shadow Box was Caleb. I don't, was Caleb. I don't think okay. I helped with the really... So, actually, the Mad Titan Shadow Box and the Sinister Motos Box were both... I think the Mad Titan Shadow Box was the first box that was fully developed during work from home. Is that right? No, no, it wouldn't have been fully developed. It would have been toward the tail end. I guess Sinister Motos was the first product that started work from home and ended work from home. Um, yeah, Mad Titan shifted. There was a point like in the middle of development where we had to shift to that. So, okay. uh, but it was pretty pretty much all him. And be, when we split to work from home, we could kind of collaborate a lot less than we used to. We still would have video calls and stuff, but it's not the same as sitting beside someone in the office. So, uh, we we definitely divided the work a little more readily than we had in the past. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're asking your kids for advice because they're the only ones that are right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Read this one. Oh, that's how yeah. we got the spider ham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was it. That was it. Bold choice, by the way, uh, choosing spider ham. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I'm, I'm excited for him, and I know that, you know, Caleb is really excited for him. I've seen a couple players be like, why wasn't it, I don't know, Spider-Man 2099 or Spider-Man Noir, but I think that there would definitely was, you know, anytime we're creating a wave of characters, you want to make sure that the characters on some levels are different enough in play style from one another. And as cool as like Spider-Man 2099 is and as cool as, you know, Spider-Man Noir is and all the other spider people, like there's a certain point where most of the spider people are kind of the same in a lot of regards. Um, like, you know, some of them have some key differences, like, like Miles Morales, he's got his Venom Blast and he can turn invisible. But like, for instance, when I was designing, um, Ghost Spider, it was kind of challenging to come up with a play style that was still like spidery, but totally different from Spider-Man Peter Parker. And, you know, fortunately, Spider-Man Peter Parker, he was like, I think the first character we ever created for the game. So his play style is very straightforward. It's very basic in a lot of ways. He's pretty defensive, but that's kind of his most special element. Um, and so, like, you know, I kind of spun a Ghost Spider off into being a uh, very reactionary and uh, playing with, like, the interrupts and stuff. But, like, to do that multiple times in a row, because I've seen other people, you know, complain, oh, we're getting Peter Parker, sorry, Penny Parker, and not one of these other characters instead. But, like, we chose Spider-Ham and we chose Penny Parker because they are so different compared to all the other spider people it's not just sort of a different iteration of peter parker it is actually a character that this one's a cartoon and he can squash and stretch and get flattened and do all this stuff uh he's got this whole like spider nonsense where the more danger he's in the more 
you know, uh, powerful his cartoon abilities are. Penny Parker, she's got a whole robot, and, you know, she's kind of like this whole mech suit thing. So um, that was like a big reason that we chose both of those characters because, you know, they do have recognition, and that's important, but also because they really are sort of defined in their own way compared to some of the other spider people that are just not as defined in in terms of like unique abilities and whatnot yeah that makes sense um i you guys can always uh impress me with the ability to make characters feel like the characters while not just feeling like a cookie cutter from some other character if that makes sense like you do a good job of that yeah Yeah. it's always the hope yeah a lot of that really comes from nate french like nate has said many times that he like he feels that any character can be like you could basically make the same version of the same character in a hundred different ways. Um, and it's, it's really just about like finding a play style that's fun and that has, that can sort of tell the story of that character. But uh, I think like there is, we, we definitely could have done, you know, for instance, Spider-Man Noir or Spider-Man 2099 and made them feel different from the other, other spider people. But um, it does get really challenging <laughs> after a point. And um, you know, it's, yeah, we just felt like the, the, Spider-Ham and, and uh, uh, Penny Parker were, were a bit more dynamic in a sense. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, trying out Penny Parker. Uh, I did not know anything about that character prior to the movie. And, and there's not a whole lot. So, some of these characters don't have a, you know, they don't have the 50 years of comics. So it's always in, impressive to see some of those guys um, come alive in the game and and you guys use what little they you know, is in the comics for them. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, this wave, we're not. I believe we're not getting a scenario pack like a Kang or a Wrecking Crew. Um, was there a reason we're we're not getting one of those? Just not enough time, or what? What was up with that? Uh, can we expect those packs in the future, or in other waves? Definitely see them in the future. Yeah, scenario packs are are something that are. Um, a lot of fun to to design, and I know that you know the the community really really likes them. Uh, there's so the way we've done them in the past, it sort of has been like this leapfrog thing where it's like a lot of times these packs will fall sort of in between projects in between schedules in a way. So like I'll do one, Caleb will do one, and it's like it's when the other person isn't at their most critical busiest time with like a big wave with you know the expansion all the hero packs and stuff um and for whatever reason i think the way everything just happened i i i did hood which was the last one so caleb would have done i guess the one that fell in this wave and it just the way things lined up sometimes it just like it doesn't work out with the schedule so i i believe if 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 i'm remembering correctly that's essentially the reason we didn't do it it was just sort of a scheduling thing more than anything else okay uh yeah i think sometimes people forget there's like ffg's got like you know three people working on this game or something i always picture you guys as just this huge company and i you're you're really not yeah yeah for for like each game line it's like yeah two yeah two maybe three people if you're lucky and some games are like one person it's there's a lot of games at ffg but each one has really just very very limited resources yeah we've had some other folks on the show uh like peter and zach and these guys uh, um that are doing things for all of your game lines yeah yeah they're very busy well and well now ffg's got one less 
quality game designer there. I, I got to say, I'm pretty sad that you are off the games and you, you've moved <laughs> on. I'm happy for you that you've moved on to things you want to do, but I'm sad for the games that I enjoy that you've worked on. So I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, I, I really loved my time at FFG. It was a lot of fun to be able to work on things like Netrunner, like Champion, and to work with people like Caleb and Nate French and, you know, Tody Fanchi before I left and all the other designers, MJ Newman, Jeremy Zwern. Um, but it is it is nice on some levels to, you know, be abroad again, to be able to travel again. And, and also, you know, now if I have an idea that I become passionate about on my own, I have the freedom to sort of do whatever excites me the most. So there are pros and cons, but I... I do and will miss my time at FFT. So now that you're not there anymore, you can tell us uh, who you think uh, the most villainous member of the team there was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a good. Probably, um, probably Jeremy Zwern. I think he's like uh, you know he's like the I don't know how many five time world champion something of so many games and he's he's always just in the background brooding and scheming. So got to watch out for Jeremy. Like he like plays it, exactly right he plays it cool plays it quiet but like in reality he's always got something that he's like he's got the whole like you know the mathematician numbers like flying on his head at all times and just you know figuring out his next plot <laughs> okay all right so he's got some uh some machine he's developed that lets him win at everything in the background i think so that, yeah. that nobody knows about okay it can't be skill you can't be that good at card games <laughs> Well, Michael, uh, it's been great having you on. Do you have anything else you want to say to the community, or you know, uh, people were wanted to maybe hear um, any of your final thoughts on the game or other games? Um, I mean, maybe we maybe we just sort of did that, but I don't know if there's more that you wanted to say. You know, and say goodbye to the folks, that kind of thing, or will we see you playing around, playing online, coming to conventions? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was really a dream in a lot of ways to be able to work on marvel and to be able to interact with so many passionate and and, and excited players and um i'm really going to miss my time and uh, you know i've i've appreciated all the the kind words that i've received on you know d different platforms and whatnot and um you know as, as much as i'm going to miss working on the game i like my position was passed to tony fanchi he's been at the at FFG, I think for longer than I have, I think maybe on six years at this point. Um, he is a phenomenal designer. I was able to I mean, not really train him because <laughs> he already knew how to do the job really well. But, you know, there's always that transition of like, here's a new project. Here's how we do things in this project, so on and so forth. And it was right off the bat. He, you know, it wasn't really like any work on my end to show him the ropes because he kind of just knew everything. So, and I, you know, I kind of followed along as he ran play tests on our play testing forums and whatnot. And, um, I, you know, the play testers immediately liked his work. And I, I think the game is in really good hands. And to be honest, like maybe better hands than they were before. I think Tony is going to bring some really cool, innovative ideas to the game that I would not have thought of. I, there's already quite a few cards that he's created or that he had created before I left that were just like, oh, that's really cool. Like that never even came to, to mind before. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate all the kind words, but I think people should continue to be excited for the game and to look forward to the future because there's a lot of cool stuff coming. I, I can guarantee it. Oh, excellent. Well, cool stuff coming. I know that you guys are making things way ahead. Um, 
are there still products coming out that has your hand, you know, that you've worked on and designed? Can we expect a few more Michael Boggs things to be released? Uh, a couple more. Yeah, th there's still some stuff. I, I was fortunate to help Caleb with the, uh, the Mutant Genesis box and, and some stuff after that. Um, he, he did the design and development of that, but I, you know, I helped on some other things. And then there's some other stuff later on that I helped design and develop. So uh, a, a bit more, I would say probably for the next year and a half to two years, there's going to be like a sprinkle of stuff that I've worked on. Um, oh, cool. So, I'll look yeah. for your, your name in the credits. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you got you got a last question here? No, because you already asked it. Oh, I did. <laughs> question thief. Yes, I'm villainous. Um, well, Mr. Boggs, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Like I said, it's we're sad that you you won't be working on our favorite game anymore. But I wish you all the best, and I know the Thank community you. does too. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I I, I would love to just chit chat for a while more, but I. I think we're going to get into things maybe that we can't talk about. So <laughs> tell me more Sorry. of what's coming. So. Yeah, yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Nice. Well, Mike, how do the folks get a hold of us? Hey, folks, do you have any final words for Michael Boggs? A send off, perhaps? Email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook, and you can find us on YouTube by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, and Wandering Tuke. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Venom, take us out. Venom Man, Venom Man, friendly symbiote Venom Man. Spins a web, any size, catches thieves, makes them die. Watch out, here comes the Venom Man. <laughs>